0: Time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Hey, it's another episode of Reengineering Your Finances. Walter Storholt here alongside Charles Weldy. He is a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, and a CPA as well. So he brings great tax planning guidance and conversations to the financial and retirement planning world and uh, love the marriage of those two credentials and experiences. He's the founder of CP Weldy Group, here to help us learn a little bit more about what it means to retire and plan for our financial futures in the best way possible. Charles, it is great to be with you this week how's summer treating you so far? So far, so good, Walter. I took uh, one vacation. I got another one planned next month.
1: I'm going to Canyon Ranch for uh, a five-day retreat on uh, health and wellness. So, uh, you know, looking forward to that. That's one of those few vacations that – you know, the last day, it's like, oh man, I got to go back to work. Now you feel like getting back because you're just re-energized. It's so great.
0: Oh, I see. I gotcha. Now where, where is that? Where's Canyon Ranch?
1: Uh, Tucson, Arizona. I think they got like three or four locations, you know, around the country, but I like that place. It's in the desert. There's something about being in the desert, 112 degree temperature. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I got to tell a quick story. The first time I was there, I saw all these umbrellas and I'm wondering, hey, you know, what's going on here? It doesn't rain that much. And then I realized after like, I guess, a half, the day that half the people were taking the umbrellas to block the sun out, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's all good.
0: I've seen it on a few hikes here in Colorado people walking around with uh, with umbrellas in just on a normal hike, and they're kind of like, Oh, okay, well, that's I didn't that's probably pretty nice for them. I, I maybe should have thought about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the good cool. thing. The good thing about that part of the country is the heat's dry, you know, so you don't really sweat and it's not you know, as bad. Yeah, a lot of the activities are done early in the morning, so you know, it works out well.
0: Yeah, what do you like to do? Do you go go on hikes or? Yeah, we go on hikes. Spa? We
1: go hikes, bike riding. You know, basically, like I tried yoga. I'm not you know, a yoga guy. You know, it's not for me. But you know, they have classes on nutrition and acupuncture, things of that nature, which interests me. So I usually, you know, come home re-energized and you know just feel like, hey, you know, let's recommit to being fabulously fit, you know, for the next year. So it's it's fantastic. That's
0: cool. I passed out when I got acupuncture. Couple of about, uh, about this time last year, actually, oh, really? it was pretty entertaining. I was, I, was it, I guess, it technically wasn't acupuncture; it was dry needling, but they're kind of similar, I suppose. Right? Yeah. And uh, it was for for physical therapy for uh, for my knee and um, and kind of some tightness I was having in my calves and some other parts of my leg. And uh, so it was just part of my rehab. And they did some dry needling, and uh, I was so uncomfortable. Wow. And I was I was kind of looking at it, right? And and I was really uncomfortable. They come out. They finally take the needles out. And I think I felt so relieved when they took all the needles out that my blood pressure just, like, dropped instantly. And I remember looking at the lady, and she was looking, looking at me, and I said, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing I know, wow. I'm staring up at the ceiling. I got three people staring down at me. One's got my legs up in the air. The other's handing me a popsicle. The other's fanning me. And I was like, what happened? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so they've uh, they've not gone back to that method of recovery for me. But if it
1: works for you, that's great. Cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta commit to it. I, I did, not I took two or three acupuncture things, and you know, after that, you know, I kind of let it drop by the wayside. So I'm like one of these guys. I want instant success. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. I I totally uh, understand what you're getting at. Well, cool. I hope that is a very restful and rejuvenating visit for you out to the desert, and uh, maybe we'll hear some more about that next month. Uh, Let's dive into our main topic for the day here, Charles, and uh, we're we're outside the box a little bit today, folks, as we are actually going to talk a little bit about an article that was recently in Yahoo Finance, and it had a really interesting headline that caught my attention, and I, I shot it over to Charles, and he said, what? And he had to look at this and read it, and he was all fired up to get on today's episode to talk about this and dive into it a little bit so can't wait to break it all down with you charles here's the headline of this article i lost four hundred thousand dollars of my retirement savings in a roth 401k and if you're not careful you could too now that's certainly an attention grabbing headline for anybody who's saving money in any sort of Roth vehicle, whether it be an IRA or 401k. Uh, what were your first thoughts when you saw that headline and started digging into this article?
1: Well, I at first I really didn't believe it because I'm on the opposite side of the coin. Basically, I try to, you know, do Roth conversions when they make sense and save people taxes. So I've been seeing, you know, maybe like a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars in tax savings, not four hundred thousand dollars. And tax losses. So I read the article, and basically, what I came up with is like, look, his assumptions are wrong. He's assuming, well, I, I should say, you know, maybe his assumptions for himself are right, but for most people, they're wrong. He's assuming that at retirement, you know, the tax rates are going to be lower right and he talks about marginal versus effective tax rate and for those on today's podcast I mean the marginal rate is the last dollar in tax that you paid on the last dollar that you earned so if most people today are in the 22 24 percent marginal tax bracket they pay 24 cents on every dollar you know the last dollar in their tax return but his big thing was like hey what's the effective tax rate and for most people today in the 22 percent marginal tax rate tax bracket they might be in maybe a 12 14% effective tax bracket so I'm not saying he's comparing apples with oranges, but for the most part, you know, based upon the people I work with, and you know, the articles that I read, and you know, the conferences that I go to, most people in retirement that we deal with here at the CP Weldy Group will be in the marginal tax bracket of 25%. Now, you know, people might be saying 25% it doesn't even exist. Well, right now, 22 will be 25 in January 1st, 2026, because the Trump Tax Reduction Act is now being uh, you know, eliminated and they're going back to the old rules. So for the most part, you know, that was my big pet peeve is like, hey, you know, I just think taxes are going to be higher in retirement than they are now for most people. Obviously, there's some exceptions. But the issues that he failed to address were current versus future tax rates. That's number one. And number two, the real biggie is the impact of taking required minimum distributions once you hit that age whether it's 70 and a half, 72 or 75 for some people in the future. So those RMDs can really impact your tax bracket in a negative way in the future. So before I really get into like the pros and cons of like traditional IRAs versus Roth and Roth versus traditional, what I'd like to do is just give, you know, the listeners on the podcast a brief overview. When you have an IRA, you know, what you're doing is you're just like getting a deduction today for the money that you're putting in, but what you're really doing is You're deferring your tax until you take the money out at a later date. So basically the key word for IRAs, traditional IRAs is tax deferred, all right? That growth is tax deferred. Eventually someone, whether it's you while you're alive, Your beneficiaries when you're gone will have to pay tax on that distribution in the future and and the second thing is you're required to take rmds as i said earlier when you have a traditional ira or a traditional 401k for the most part whether you need that money or not when you hit a certain age you're required to take out a certain percentage of that money which could really have a negative impact on your overall tax situation now let's contrast that walter with a roth ira roth ira is not tax deferred growth it's tax-free growth right so yeah i'm paying tax on the seed today you know of you know i'm putting in let's just say 10 grand i'm paying tax on 10 grand but over time that 10 grand hopefully will grow and when i start taking the money out it's all going to be tax-free never to be taxed again so i'd rather for most people pay tax on the seed rather than the harvest so to speak all right and then the big thing about roth iras is that you know, in the future, when you hit a certain age, whether it's like 70 and a half, 72, 75, depending upon the year you were born, you're not required to take any money out so it can grow tax-free for the rest of your life. And when your family inherits it, if it's a non-spouse beneficiary, like one of your kids or grandkids, they can let that rock grow for an additional 10 years after your, your death. So again, you know, everybody's different. Some people don't have a lot of money in their IRA, some people have a lot, but it really depends on how much money they have, what their income need is, and you know what their longevity is, you know, and and what their goal was with legacy to their children and/or you know grandchildren. So does that make sense?
0: It does make sense, yeah. And it sounds like this article was really not leaving a lot of room for that whole real important difference of the pay me now, pay me later concept, and the fact that tax gains are are, are gains are not taxable in those Roth dollars where they will be in the non Roth dollars. And yeah, it's not exactly the apples to apples conversation that maybe most people would find if they evaluated this for themselves.
1: Right. So so what I did in preparing for this podcast is, you know, I've been a, a Roth advocate for years, like Roth conversions, taking money from pre-tax making it tax-free and i actually went back to 2009 all right we're in 2023 now and i saw like an article that i wrote on reasons to favor a roth conversion reasons to favor a traditional ira so what i'd like to do is maybe take a couple minutes and just go through some of the concepts i came up with that i think are still relevant today like this is what 9 and 13 14 years later all right? So, reasons to favor a traditional IRA. So again, traditional IRA, I'm gonna put the money in today, get a deduction today, the money's gonna grow tax-deferred, and then in the future, I'm gonna be required to take money out whether I need to or not, all right? So here's like, I came up with seven reasons uh, to favor a traditional IRA. Well, if you think tax rates will decrease in the future, why would you pay you know tax at a higher rate today uh, when you can pay a lower rate in the future? So that's number one, and most people that I, you know, meet and talk with. I mean, for the most part, if we have a $31 trillion deficit as we're speaking, uh, they can only do two things. They can either raise taxes or lower spending. And the way that the spending has gone, that's never going to happen. Or a combination of both, maybe. So for the most part, I believe that tax rates are going to go up in the future. And as I said earlier in the podcast, in 2026, they're going up automatically back to where they were over 10 years ago. So that's number one. If you think tax rates are going to go down, hey, probably don't want to do a Roth conversion. The second uh, item is like estate taxes, right? If you have a, an estate that's not going to be taxable, right? So right now, I think the exemption is somewhere around twelve million dollars. So I don't meet a lot of people that have twelve million. I, you know, that's full disclosure. But what they're going to do in the near future, based upon recent proposals, is they're lowering the exemption from twelve million to five million, All right. So people that have seven, eight million dollars of net worth, uh, it, it 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 might pay to do a Roth conversion because, you know, I'd rather um, my estate, if if I don't do a Roth conversion, I'm going to actually pay taxes on the gross estate, not the net estate. So let me give you an example. If I have a million dollar IRA and somebody, a beneficiary is going to pay 25% tax, you know, on my demise, you know, as they take the money out, well, I really only have $750,000 in real dollars right? after I pay the tax. But if I pass away and I have a million-dollar IRA, it's in my estate. The million dollars is taxed at the estate tax rate that begins at 40%. So you know, it might be, sound a little complicated, but if estate taxes are not an issue... Probably pays to, you know stick with a traditional IRA for most people estate taxes aren't an issue today but they might be in the near future when they lower the exemption from twelve million to round numbers five million dollars all right number three a small IRA if you have a small IRA you need that money to live off of. Chances are you're not going to do any Roth conversions because you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. And you know what I've generally uh, counseled clients on is like, look, we don't have to go down to zero for Roth conversions. Like, you know, if you're single, yeah, having like a 350000 thousand, four hundred thousand dollar IRA is fine. Why? Because you have a standard deduction 14000 dollars. If we have a four hundred thousand dollar IRA, you're required to take money out generally four percent. You're either going to pay no tax or at the most 10% tax on a very small amount of that. So I don't mind people having some money in taxable accounts, not all in Roth. And for a single person, that number would be $350,000, dollars of IRA balance, traditional IRA balance. For someone who's married, you can double that because their exemption or their, their standard deduction rather is twice that amount. So. Uh, for the most part, you know, uh, a small IRA, you know, look, you know, you're probably needed to live off of don't do the Roth conversion. You know, you're you're better off with that traditional IRA. Then I have people that, you know, really want to leave money to charity. If they want to leave money to charity, you know, it's best to have a traditional IRA. I just worked on a case where we have a client has a lot of money in his traditional IRA. He's doing uh, full disclosure, he's not doing Ross now since it's a high tax bracket, at 32%. So I don't want him paying 32 now, but we know we have a problem in the future. So he's a big contributor to like charities. And I said, hey, you know, Ted, uh, why don't you take, you know, some money out of your traditional IRA, put it in a donor advised fund. And basically, while, you know, next 10, 12, 15 years, you can just like, you know, give the charity from your donor advised fund and not pay taxes on that traditional IRA, you know, that you're, taking 100 grand out to fund your donor advised fund so for the most part you know if i know somebody is gonna you know child be inclined i might have them make the gift from the charity from their ira to the charity directly or they might set up a donor advised fund while they're alive to really reduce or eliminate the tax on their traditional ira all right now if somebody else says hey i'm single i have no family i'm going to pass away i love the saint jude I'm going to give all my money to them. Hey, no Roth conversion necessary because I'd rather, you know, you live off of, you know, what you need to live off of and give the remaining balance to charity because the charity's not going to pay tax on that. All right. So that's really an important point is the ultimate beneficiary of your IRA, if you don't spend it, will be a charity. And if it's going to be a charity, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to convert to a Roth IRA. And then what a lot of people overlook is like, hey, what's your tax situation? If I see someone with a pension, I know that pretty much, you know, their pension plus their Social Security benefit is going to cause a major portion of their Social Security to be taxable. So, you know, if most of the Social Security is going to be taxable on account of a pension, maybe the RMDs aren't really that big of a deal because they're in a decent tax bracket anyway, and they're not going to save taxes on their Social Security benefits. So that might be you know, one of the reasons why, hey, you know what? Um, you know, they're in a—they're always going to pay tax on their social security, uh, their pensions coming in like clockwork. If they pay, you know, this Roth conversion tax on the Roth conversion, it might not be as beneficial. So that might be a reason to really stick with the traditional IRA as opposed to. Branch out and do some Roth conversions. And then, really, probably one of the most important things is what's the assumed future growth rate? You know, if I do a Roth conversion and my account's going to grow by six, seven, eight percent, hey, you know, that account's going to grow, you know, uh, compound a lot quicker and grow a lot faster than if I put it in like a fixed income account making two, three, four percent. So, you know, when you do these like Roth analysis, whether you should do one or not, and if so, how much. You really have to like be really yeah, focused on the assumptions that you're using, and for the most part, a higher growth rate, you know, will favor uh, maybe a Roth conversion as opposed to a traditional IRA. And then, you know, lastly, for you know reasons to favor a traditional IRA, uh, if you don't have monies outside your IRA to pay the tax. I'm not saying it's bad or wrong to do a Roth conversion, but if somebody had 100 grand, and they're in a 25% bracket, and they don't have the tax outside the IRA to pay the tax, they basically have to withhold 25% from their 100 grand, put the $75,000 difference in a Roth, And in that instance, it still will work, you know, over time, but it won't work as good as if you put the whole hundred grand in a Roth and had the 25,000 being paid from outside the the IRA source. So again, you know, do you have enough money in pre-tax, post-tax, tax-free to maybe pay that tax? And if you don't, Um, you know, it might not be favorable to do a Roth conversion because instead of like 100% of the money growing tax-free, in the example I just gave, only 75% is going to grow tax-free. Does that make sense, Walter?
0: Yeah, helpful, and it does make sense, all those different kind of moving parts that you're addressing there, Charles. So um, I think that's really helpful to have if somebody comes across an article like this. I mean, it's easy to have this open your eyes up and be a bit swayed and not realize just how much nuance there is and that the whole losing four hundred thousand dollars in this particular example is uh, a, a bit of hogwash is that a, a good way to put it
1: yeah hogwash but but again like you know roth conversions i mean again I, I i'm not really biased i mean i do have a tax background but i'm you know i believe in math and science and like you really got to do the arithmetic and in a lot of cases it really works wonderfully and i want to give you you know just maybe a couple reasons to favor a roth conversion i mean obviously if you think tax rates are gonna be the same or be higher in the future, you'll never look back and say, I wish I didn't do that Roth conversion, all right? That's why I disagree with that guy's article, because tax rates don't don't have to go up, they just have to remain the same. If tax rates go down, yeah, it might not be advantageous to do a Roth conversion, but by and large, there's always a break even. You know, the longer time that you have something growing, you know, compounding tax free, uh, you're gonna have a break even. It might be a little bit later than someone else, but that's always a good thing. Let's see, it's, it's much more efficient to pay income taxes first and estate tax is second, then vice versa. What does that mean? Again, I think I said it earlier. If I have an estate uh, that has a big uh, IRA, uh, and i pass away well that gross ira is going to be taxed at the you know estate tax level if i had paid my roth conversion tax and now i pass away the estate's going to be lower and my estate tax is going to be lower so people with big estates and i would just say like you know uh, five million or more um, definitely a roth conversion you know makes a lot of sense uh, if they have a large ira and i meet people today walter that have large iras i mean there's only three types of accounts there's pre-tax there's post-tax and tax-free and most people have the money in that pre-tax account that tax deferred account which generally is an IRA and uh, you know t- uh, who is it ed slott he says that you know uh, people at large iras are sitting on a tax ticking time bomb i mean eventually they're going to have to take the money out or someone's going to have to take it out if they pass away and who knows what the tax rates are going to be at that you know point in time now if i is somebody that has no desire to leave money to a charity upon their demise, then you know, definitely a, a Roth conversion's fine because uh, you know as we mentioned earlier, if I'm leaving money to charity, I'd rather leave pre-tax money to charity since charities don't pay any tax. Tax diversification, this is key, all right? Uh, it's good to have a source of tax-free income from a Roth IRA, maybe from a life insurance policy, but you know, I used to be an advocate, and I still like him a lot, um, David McKnight, The Power is Zero. Uh, Earlier in my career, I tried to get people in the 0% tax bracket. I was successful with about a half a dozen of them. But you know, in the last three or four years, I've actually learned that, hey, you know what, you don't really have to be in the 0% tax bracket. You can be in the 12% tax bracket and really pay very little taxes and really enjoy you know, some flexibility. Um, what do I mean by that? People in the 12% tax bracket, they don't pay tax on qualified dividends, capital gains, um, you know, and if they're in a 12% tax bracket, that's their marginal tax bracket, their effective tax rate might be six or seven percent. So if I get to keep like uh, 94 cents of every dollar that I make, I'm pretty happy with that. I don't have to go down to zero. So what I find out is most people uh, who don't have tax diversification if they need extra money later in retirement, they usually take it out of that tax-deferred account, and all of a sudden they're hit with that 25% toll charge, where if they had maybe a combination of Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs, and they needed an extra 10 grand, they could just dip into that tax-free bucket, that Roth money, take the 10 grand out, and it wouldn't even impact you know their taxability at all, because again, the growth is tax-free. And another thing, too, on taxes is, what's happening is, um, as we speak, is that the Medicare premiums when People turn 65; they they are entitled to Medicare, and basically Medicare, you know, has premiums that you pay every month. And now it's being means tested. In in my world, it just means that hey, the more money that you have on your tax return, the richer your peer. And uh, the higher your Medicare premiums are going to be. So um, people that postpone taking money out of their retirement accounts, once they hit that magical age where they're required to take money out, you know, uh, depending upon what they have in that account, that IRA account, that plus their Social sort of Security benefit, and maybe if they're you know fortunate enough to have a pension, could put them in a bracket where now instead of paying like $250 a month in Medicare premiums. They might be paying double that, you know, just because they didn't plan accordingly. So um, that's a big deal, is, um, you know, tax diversification. Uh, and then, let's see, do I have anything else? Yeah, the soon rate of return. Obviously, the higher the rate of return, the better the Roth conversion looks, the Roth IRA looks, because that money's compounding tax free at a higher rate. So, you know, generally speaking, what I try to do when I'm looking at this analysis, you know, Roth, no Roth, how much, when, how, I really look at, like, hey, you know, Will, they need all this money throughout their lifetime do Do they have their money diversified in different buckets? And if not, I just strive to make sure that, hey, is there a possibility that during their you know retirement lifetime, I can get them, whether it's a single person or a married couple, uh, you know, in the twelve percent or less tax bracket? And for the most part, the people that I deal with, I generally can, and you know if we can have that. You know, remaining money's not subject to RMDs, growing tax free each and every year, you know, what a legacy for their, you know, children, grandchildren. Because as I mentioned earlier, you know, anything that goes to a non spouse, uh, they have to take it out within 10 years. Well, if I had a traditional IRA and, you know, I passed away and my children have to take it out over 10 years, Basically, they got to add that money to their W-2 income. They're both, you know, they're all gainfully employed, and they might be paying taxes at a much higher rate than I, you know, that I would pay, um, you know, with the Roth conversion and the tax-free growth. So, you know, I, I can I can talk about this for the next hour, but the point I want to make is, in a perfect world, you probably should have both. You should have a traditional IRA, you know, three fifty if you're single, to four hundred, maybe. Um, you know, 700 to 800 if you're married, I think you'll be covered there where, you know, if you have to pay tax at a higher rate, it's not gonna be that much. Um, and then have a bucket of tax-free money in a Roth IRA or a tax-free life insurance policy where, hey, if you need anything above a certain amount that puts you in the, a higher tax bracket, you have another source that you can take that money out that will not impact in a negative way the taxability on your social security, the amount of your Medicare premiums, And uh, I think it's a win-win to have a little bit of
0: both. Very good. Uh, Very helpful to have this discussion, Charles. And uh, again, don't fall for the doom and gloom and these fear headlines that are unfortunately very pervasive in the financial world. And. This one alone, Charles, just at the time of us recording this, has generated over 900 comments on uh, on this Yahoo article. So it stirred people up for sure with that headline. I I read a lot of these articles, Charles, and not all of them get to that 900 you know uh, comment mark on a financial article. So yeah. this one struck a chord with people and caused a lot of arguing. It was actually kind of entertaining to read the comment section. A lot of arguing between people.
1: Down. Yeah, yeah. I kind of I, I I read about like two dozen of them, you know, and I said, e- everyone you know, like, trying to like, be a financial expert. It's um, yeah. I'll tell you one thing, though. I'm looking at an uh, It's called the Journal of Financial Planning, summer issue 2023. They have an unbelievable article. I read it six times. The arithmetic of Roth conversions. Right. It's really like pretty involved. But like it really justifies like my position that for the most part, you know. Uh, tax-free compounding will win in the long term even if tax rates are lower in the future uh, it's just a matter of what's your break even so it's really an interesting article i mean it has to do with like excel spreadsheets and all that stuff i've got somebody kind of working on it building one for us for the most part i think it's really a great article i mean um, again i've read it like six or seven times and i'm probably about 85 percent there in terms of like Complete knowledge, but you know, it really justifies to me that hey, I'm on the right track, really helping people really reduce their future expenses in terms of their retirement income by, uh, you know, getting rid of their silent partner, Uncle
0: Sam. Well, very good. Uh, if you've got any questions for Charles about something you heard on today's episode, or you're just uh, going through your own evaluation of is a Roth IRA or the Roth 401k at work, is that right for me? How do I do a conversion? Is, is that a direction that I should go in, or should I follow the traditional uh, options for retirement? The pay me. Now, pay me later. Which one's going to be best for my situation? All great questions to ask. They all lead to good discussions about your financial and retirement plan. So reach out to Charles with those questions. You can call him at 610-388-7705 or go online to cpweldygroup.com. And we've put all of those uh, pieces of contact information in the description of today's show for you to check out and investigate. Charles, thanks for all your help on the episode today. Enjoyed the deep dive into this discussion, and uh, we'll look forward to a new episode with you soon. Thank you, Walter. All right, come back and join us, folks, for the next edition of Reengineering Your Finances with Charles Weldy, Certified Financial Planner and CPA at CP Weldy Group. We'll talk to you again next time.